Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath, and I am excited to be here with you this week talking about the hobby, talking about sports cards, bringing in the community of collectors from around the Instagram community and letting them share their voices. I know I got some good feedback over the last couple of weeks about facilitating conversations, facilitating feedback from the hobby. And so we have more of that coming for you on the other side of this episode. It has been a wild week for me and I'm sure a wild week for most. Last week we were just battling the snow here in Indianapolis, getting hit pretty hard. Tis the season. It looked like it was happening everywhere. We were holed up at my parents uh, for a little bit because they watched my daughter on Thursday and we were just there for a couple nights, which was cool because I got that family cooking. I got some meatloaf, definitely got some ice cream in the evenings. I am reminded now that I when the snow uh, finally melts, maybe I can get a workout in outside and shed some of those calories. Probably not anytime soon because we are in the Super Bowl week. Yes, it is Super Bowl week. And what is your spread? What do you got going on over there at your HQ? Are you are you are you making wings? You got the pizza going? You getting the grill out? I would love to know what you are making. If you are making something. That's worthy of note. Let me know. Tag me. Show me. I love that. I think that is one of the most important pieces of the game. Yeah, people like the commercials. Yeah, there's some football going on. Yeah, there's a banger halftime show this year. But we all know we come for the food. So I'm excited. I still need to figure it out. Typically, I'm a I'm a wing guy. I'm a wing connoisseur. Um, so I I'm sure we'll have wings on the menu. Get that spread together. Uh, you got a few more days if you uh, haven't even thought about it, but now is a good time to start planning. I want to send a congratulations to the winner of the Panini Mosaic 2020-2021 Hobby Box to Luca Love 77 I announced the winner this past Friday on IG Live. It's on my page if you want to see that. Did the old randomizer thing. I was pumped. Luca Love 77 was in the chat. so. Sending a hobby box his way this week. Hopefully he pulls some Luca. Hopefully he pulls some banger. I said, if you find something nice in there, please tag me. I want to be doing more of these giveaways. So I want to shout out to my good friends at Panini for making that happen. And it's an opportunity to give back to the community, give back to all you loyal listeners, the people that support the Stacking Slabs podcast and Stacking Slabs brand. I do appreciate you. And we officially have the retirement from Tom Brady, and I think it's been fun watching Instagram, watching people share their Brady cards, their Brady memories. Um, I'm definitely fascinated at watching kind of the next you know, six months, what happens with the Brady market. I have been an observer watching people, um, seeing uh, who's letting cards go, who's buying cards. Um, what is the mix? Um, I think 
This is something I pay attention to because Tom Brady sits atop of a market that I spend a lot of time, energy, and money in. So I am very curious at watching what is happening in the Brady market. And um, hopefully he gets some time off. Hopefully, I'm sure we'll start seeing him everywhere. Um, you know, he, he will be a premium. You think guys like Drew Brees and Tony Romo and all these guys are everywhere. Wait until Tom Brady allows himself to start plugging in to some of these streams. I'm hoping he gets some rest, but I'm also hoping Brady stays in the picture, much like his greatest rival of all time, my man, number 18, Peyton Manning. And so we've got a Super Bowl on the other side of this episode. It's coming up here. I am still, as I record this, and I'm recording this Sunday at about 11.30 Eastern, I'm still undecided. And I I don't have a pick yet. And I know that's wishy-washy, but it's tough. I, I think it's tough because the more well-rounded team, balanced team, experienced team certainly goes to the Rams. But I think it's really hard for me to deny the Cinderella story that's going on with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. So I'm, I'm hoping I can get a pick in before kickoff. Um, but right now I'm kind of stuck in the middle. But I think looking at cards and looking at the market, it's, it's very apparent. It's very evident that uh, Joe, Joe Burrow has our attention. Joe Burrow cards are selling. I think getting a new guy that is a younger guy who's accelerated his career at a quicker time frame than anyone imagined is good for cards. It is good for the football card market. Um, Looking at uh, the winner, Golden Elite, we had a Joe Burrow National Treasures brand logo, the Nike patch added to. BGS nine sell for two hundred eighty nine thousand two hundred dollars. People are excited about Joe Burrow. The rate of growth over the past month, the month he's been in the playoffs, has been up via card ladder sixty eight point seven percent. The last two weeks nine percent, so it's kind of maybe balancing out, tapering off a little bit. I guess I should have said, but I think the questions I always have to ask myself, and based on case studies that we've had in the past, is what happens if Joe Burrow wins this game? What happens to his card prices? Um, we have, I think, one thing that the, the easiest example to turn to is Mahomes after Mahomes' first one. And I think what we saw and what we can learn from that experience is that when these young quarterbacks win, the uh, market gets flooded. So you'll probably, if, if Burrow were to win, You'll probably see more Joe Burrow cards listed on eBay than you've ever had before, which supply goes up in the demand curve. It kind of starts to balance out. And I've, I've heard Chris um, and Josh talk about this on the crossover, but this is kind of the moment where the collectors win, where the market gets flooded. And if you're a true Joe Burrow collector, then you can go and maybe pick off some cards at a rate that's not to the moon and not as high as po- it's, it's been in the past. I think we saw this plateauing. Um, and even dipping a little bit after Mahomes won his Super Bowl. And then I think the the, the rate of growth between, I think, a, I think there was a sweet spot. So there's like March was flat. The dust had settled. So it was a good time to like, if you were a Mahomes collector the year after he won the Super Bowl, like the March timeframe was a good time to start picking off some cards. But it was like after March until until the next season, 
there was an astronomical rate of growth that Mahomes market sell. It was like 288% via card letter that I was looking from that March timeframe to, I think the, you know, his first game or first couple games the next season. So I don't know, like, I don't think history can always influence what's about to happen, but I would encourage everyone who is interested in Pat or Joe Burrow cards. And if you're want to get on the train and you think he's going to win, even if you don't think he's going to win, but you want to get on the train, I think look at what happened with Mahomes cards after he won. And it might be a good indicator for what's to come. I put out there this past week, the ability to curate your collection is a skill. Creating a theme and being selective with what pieces completed is satisfying. It's a great way to tell the story. It's a great way to be unique. It's an opportunity to inspire other collectors. Organize it. This went out and it's it was a trigger after my conversation with Brandon. You know, Brandon at Mission Street Cards. Everyone, if you didn't already get a chance, go back to the Friday episode and check that one out. I got a ton of good feedback. Um, want to continue to bring passionate collectors on the Stacking Slabs podcast that have a perspective or point of view about how they collect cards and can help share that out and give us all in the community some ideas, mindsets to adopt or to think about. Um, that's what this show is about. The show is about facilitating the collector and exploring the collector. And that's what we're doing here. And what a way to kind of enter or continue that journey through the episode with Mission Street Cards. And I correlate this back to what I just said about curation as a skill. You could listen, when I was listening to every word about Brandon and how mindful he was about the pieces that enter and leave his collection. He talked a lot about the aesthetics and how he he appreciates that. And they all follow a similar kind of um, look and feel. Um, he talked about Flickr and having that view of um, scanning Nat Turner's account on Flickr and looking through and start, starting to draw themes and pairing things together. And I loved what he said, too, about like, you can't have everything. You can't have everything. So when you look at your collection, if you're aiming for a specific theme or a specific style, realize that if there are cards within your collection that don't fit those themes or styles, then they might be, it might be time to go. This afforded him opportunities to pick off Gold Brady's before they went to the moon, pick off sp- specific Ronaldo and Messi's, and then obviously the Galactics. Um, his collection there is ridiculous. Go look at his page. It's beautiful. He appreciates a certain aesthetic along with scarcity. So it's marrying these two things, attributes together that are so important to collecting and buying cards that he obsesses over when he's building out his collection. I think, remember when you bought pieces. That you, this is my question to you guys. Do you remember when you bought pieces that you said you were never going to sell? Don't feel guilty for wanting them, for wanting or feeling like it's an opportunity to sell them now. My feedback to you all, I'm going through this right freaking now, is just do it. As a matter of fact, just sit down with your collection and make sure you're making it about something. If you are making it about something and you're curating in a way, inevitably, and you're doing this with intention, inevitably there'll be pieces that exist within that collection that need to go. I've got a stack of cards sitting to my left, and they're great cards. They are cards I bought, cards that I have seen go up in value, but 
because they don't meet the requirements for the collection that I'm trying to build, they've got to go. And it sucks. And they might go up 2x, 3x, 4x to what they are, uh, what they will be, um, you know, a few months, a two year from now. But you can't look at those things. You can't let those things bog you down. I'm looking at those, these cards and they don't hit me with the same feel of what I'm trying to build and represent my collection. I appreciate the scarcity. That is something that I value. And although if a card is expensive or valuable and it doesn't have a serial number or I see it too often and other people sharing it and or I see it on eBay and can get it, get it whatever I want, those are the cards that got to go because they don't give me that same satisfaction. And so I'm going through that. And chances are if you are collecting, uh, there, there's going to be a few patents and some wrestling cards that I know the market likes that might be available soon. But I'm going through that process right now. I think to me, being unique is the most important factor. Like, I don't really care if I own the card that's worth a couple thousand dollars uh, if I know the card is easy to obtain. That's for me, that's where I'm at. I think I value the rarity and scarcity. There always seems to be more cards out there that I want more. So that's the other thing is if I'm sitting on these cards that are, you know, worth a couple thousand dollars, but they're not unique, there's always cards out there that pop up that I'm like, damn, like I wish I had an extra thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars to go and buy these cards right now because this might be my only time to get them. I don't have I don't know about you out there, but I don't have infinite funds, but but I have infinite time dedicated to evaluating my PC, putting a critical eye on it. And I think level the level up upon all levels up is to understand that you've evolved as a collector move forward, make moves, perform a high level of activity. And at the end of the day, do what freaking makes you happy. Like do what makes you happy. If you look at your cards and you're like, I don't want to sell any of these, don't sell them. But if you look at cards and you evaluate the market and what you're building and there are other cards out there that fit better, then sell, sell it and don't look back. I've never sold a card and look back. So those are some things I'm going through. I think curating collections is difficult. It is a skill. And the more that we can share our mindset on how we're doing it and helping others, the more activity and the better we'll all evolve in the hobby. I've got my man, Prism God, here on the podcast this Friday. I am excited to be chatting with my man, Raphael. He is a guy that I've seen from afar. Don't really know him, um, but just know he's everywhere. I've seen him. Good marketer, good content. And he's putting on a show, Culture Collision Trade Show in Atlanta, Georgia, February 25th through the 27th. And I just reached out to him. I was like, hey, man, like I, I've been watching your stuff. I know you got a big show going on. I'd love to chat with you, meet you, and talk a little bit about it. So we got him, Prism God, on Friday's episode. Get ready to go. Told you we're going to close out the episode by talking more, bringing voices in from the uh, collecting community. We're going to get that. But before we do, I'd be remiss to not talk about a sale in a segment of the hobby that I absolutely love, a segment of the hobby that a year, year and a half ago, I was going really hard because there were cards that I wanted from as I was curating my collection. There are cards that I believed were, man, I'd pay 3X than what these are going for now. 
And now they're beginning to get realized in the market, which is fun to see. I love to be a part of a market and being ahead of the curve a little bit. And this is something on the wrestling serial number shiny card side that I was fortunate to be ahead of. And now I'm seeing some of this stuff happening and it's just incredible. We had a sale, raw card, 2015, the Rocks Tops Chrome Gold Refractor sold this week on eBay for $3,200. Raw, 50 copies, hell of a card. This is a card I don't have. And I was considering, I had a budget and I was considering uh, going after this card, but what it went for was outside of my budget. So I want to congratulate Wolverine's collector 80 who posted that card, said he is the buyer. I think with wrestling cards, I will always have observations and analysis. Obviously, I love professional wrestling. The only thing from an entertainment perspective that competes with professional wrestling to me is football. Um, I've collected absolutely everything in this segment, in, in wrestling memorabilia, figures, you name it. And I know how much money there is in professional wrestling. Last year, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who has not been wrestling forever, made $3.6 million, according to a report that I read, from sales of his merchandise, which is insane. So let's just say that's 10% of what his sales were through WWE.com. That can begin to get you to think about how much freaking money is spent in professional wrestling or on professional wrestling. It is global. That is another thing. If Stone Cold Steve Austin is walking down the street anywhere in the world, he is going to be recognized. Zan Morning, uh, Wrestling with Cards, Worlds Collide podcast, has been on this mission for a while talking about why aren't wrestling fans spending more money on cards? And this is a question because we know how much money they spend on other things. I think I've thought a lot about this. And I think my answer is, is this to Zan, if you're listening or anyone who's asked the same question. I think my answer is what's been promoted in the wrestling card community is vintage and the same cards. And those vintage, same cards don't necessarily appeal to everyone. I think wrestling all-star card, all-stars are great. But some people like shiny cards, serial number cards, built-in scarcity with grading. I think relatability is a big thing. Not everyone who is young spending money in sports cards even knows who some of these vintage wrestling cards, what they are, or maybe even didn't grow up when Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan. So I think that's something to consider. And I think like for me and what I talked about in curation, it's like some people just don't want the same cards as everyone else. So exposure to these new cards, these cards that maybe aren't, aren't new, but have always existed, but just haven't got the, the publicity is that are shiny serial numbered, like the rock gold refractor. These are the, these types of cards like parallels and Chrome are the cards that I was collecting in football. So translating that over to professional wrestling and wrestling cards, it was very easy. And I would imagine like the awareness through the rock sale and what we're seeing, we're shining a light on these types of cards exist in wrestling. It's going to even continue more when WWE Prism comes out, when Panini's got the license. I think that's my feedback there. So I've been talking about the growth. I've been having more fun. I think wrestling cards is a segment that will continue to grow. I'm passionate about it. I know several other people are, and I'm excited to see sales like this validated. And I'm excited to see some of the money that is spelled on, spent on 
merchandise, t-shirts, wrestling figures pour over to the hobby in the community because once that gets going, lights out, and you better get ready. All right, let's close this out. I got a freaking ton, and I'm going to try to get through these really. I'm going to try to get through as many of these as I possibly can. I put out a question. We've been told that the hobby can be a brutal experience, in quotes, at times. I asked the community, since we've been told that the hobby is a brutal experience, what do you love most about this brutal experience? And I got some damn good answers. So let's end this episode of the Stacking Slabs podcast by bringing back you, the member of the community. Um, I'm going to continue to try to do this. So be pay attention to my Instagram account. Probably around Friday or Saturday, I'm going to start posting these questions so I can get as much perspective as possible and share it out with you. And if you're not already, you can follow me at Stacking Slabs. Do that. Make sure you do that. Hit that follow button. Um, shoot me a message if you're new. I appreciate you coming by, but let's let's get this going. So this is what the hobby says they love most about the brutal experience of collecting cards. Ginter Gold Fever. Every new edition is incredibly meaningful. It's an emotional experience. I'll say that's great. And cards we're buying, we should have a connection to. They should strike an emotion and just love that. Double K cards. Curating. It's moving target as taste changes. Plus the hunt you've narrowed focus. That's what we just talked about. Curating your taste changes, evolving, narrowing your focus and zeroing in. Love basketball cards. All the memories. By the way, that's a hell of a handle. Great handle. Love basketball cards. All the memories of watching them play flood in brings me back to the times. Maniac sports cards. Photographing them. Finding the best angles, the light that do the justice to the athlete and designer. I think that's really great. And part of the hobby experience is getting these cards and then photographing them, getting the right angle. And we've all been through the process of pulling a, um, looking a photo, getting ready to post it on Instagram and then being like, you know what? That's not, doesn't do it justice. So I love that call out by Maniac Sports Cards. Cousin Collectibles. Getting that card that takes you back to a special place in your life. Absolutely. That happens to me all the time. Manini Originals. I love the growth that came from my experience. My L's have made me a wiser collector. You got to take the L's. I've taken too many L's along the way, but they teach us what not to do and where to go deeper in. LF Goalie 31. Finding other collectors with the same interests that I can connect with. Couldn't agree more. You got to go find the people that collect what you collect because you'll learn a ton and you'll find other avenues, opportunities, and people to explore when trying to find cards you want. Give me sports, letting my fandom take over. My PC is only joy. And finding those who feel the same, it's a special experience. Yes, it is. Absolutely to that. Cuts Cards 23, the amazing community. Benor 24 sports cards. The chase, nothing better than a saved eBay search that finally turns blue after one year. We all know that blue dot feeling. We all know. We look at them every day, and once that blue dot hits, it's almost like our heart skips a beat. 90s kid card collector. Learning who I truly am as a collector in the process. Midlife crisis cards. The journey and the hunt. Love that. Badger pride 36. 
Making small moves towards a big card, a difficult path brings a sense of accomplishment. Basement cards, the collection process, hunt, accumulate, appreciate, shift, repeat. We need a t-shirt that says that. I love that. Northwood card collector, Northwoods card collector, Jordan, my man. Rabbit holes, discovering something new, a new set, new insert, new parallel. Yes, it is. Once we find that new avenue, we get one and we just get that little taste. Then we need to keep going and getting more. And I love that. James Lookman, 94, connections with collectors, creating another set of eyes for what you're hunting. Joey, the e-trader, the relationships. It's more, it's become as, as important and fun as collecting. And IG allows you to keep them close. Curly's wrestling cards, the chase to find the one card, equally the anticipation of getting graded cards back. I know that feeling. MJ's, MJS sports cards. I love that I can set and chase goals big and small. It's also a space to test theories and express fandom. Yes, it is. It's like a freaking playground. Five-star collector. The chase and hunt for a PC card is a, is a thrill and very therapeutic to me. WWE Gelman, hitting complete your purchase button on a card you've been searching for forever. Gowdy Gum, the connections to moments. Kevin M. Cormier, that I'll never know at all. It's a perfect hobby for lifelong learners. Drake's PC, doing the work and building relationships that help you acquire cards that you want. There is so many nuggets, so much good stuff, and so many people that love the fact that it's a brutal experience and have something super positive to pull from it. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. More importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. I got my man, Prism God, coming at you on Friday. Can't wait to drop this episode. Go check out Culture Collision if you are in the Atlanta area. The show is going to be super dope. More to come, more details on Friday's episode. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More stacking slabs on Friday. Peace.